You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. And then, of course, there's Eubulus and Pudens and Linus and Claudia. We don't know anything about them, except they're part of the church. And for some reason, they're noteworthy to specifically greet them. But that's all we know. You say, what is the point, Pastor? One of the amazing things to me about the Lord, and there's so many amazing things about the Lord. One of the most amazing things to me about the Lord, these people we know very little about, some we know nothing about. God knows every one of them. When you have a moment, take a look at yourself in the mirror. Look at the shape of your face, the color of your eyes. Maybe even count the hairs on your head if you're feeling really ambitious. Look at your hands, your fingertips, the movement of each finger. Every part of you is designed just for you by God. No one shares every single characteristic you have. And all of you, all of every person, is known by God. You're not random. You're loved. Pastor Danny asks you to think on that as you join him for today's message. So here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, with today's edition of The Living Word. Second Timothy, chapter 4. We come now to the close of this wonderful letter, and it's Paul's uh, final words, the letter written to Timothy, and yet inspired by the Holy Spirit, and now God's recorded it and given it to us in the Bible for all of us. This last section, they call it a benediction. A benediction is um, an invocation for divine help, blessing, and guidance, and you'll find all of that in this benediction. Uh, So pick it up with me, chapter 4, verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly, Paul's saying to Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, And my scrolls, especially the parchments. The parchments, scholars believe, were not only sections of the Old Testament, uh, but even perhaps teachings of the Lord that had been recorded. And so basically he's saying, bring the parchments. That's his Bible, if you will. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense... No one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. What an attitude. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. And he's probably writing literally because in this day, 
they would throw Christians to the lions. Nero is ruling, and Nero was a brutal enemy of Christianity. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. What a thing to look forward to. I can face death with that hope. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. To him be glory forever and ever. Come on, on the count of three. One, two, three. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. That's interesting because Paul uh, was used by God to do extraordinary miracles at times, and yet one of his own ministry associates, he left sick in Miletus. God doesn't heal everybody all the time. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit, and they tell me that in the Greek, the Lord be with your spirit is in the singular, so that would be a personal word to Timothy. Then the final statement, they say in the Greek is plural, grace be with you, and that's for the whole church. Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit, and for all of you, grace be with you. Paul began and ended every one of his letters with grace, and of course we know in the Christian life, it begins with grace, it ends with grace, and everything in between is grace. Paul is an aged saint here. Uh, he is in the Mamertine prison. It's still standing today in Rome. It was built 100 years before Paul found himself as a prisoner there. And it was reserved pretty much for political enemies of Rome. Uh, Paul knows he doesn't have much time left. He's already written to us, verse uh, 6 of chapter 4, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. I fought the good fight, finished the race. I've kept the faith. So he knows uh, these are his final days. And so he says to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly, quickly. I, now, you have to appreciate what quickly means in this time, in this culture, versus what it means in our culture. If it were being written today and Timothy got that letter today, uh, he'd be booking a flight. He might be there before sundown, all right? Uh, but in this day, come to me quickly, quickly. When Timothy got the letter, even if he uh, went right away, it would take him four to six months to get there traveling over land and sea, mostly land. Come to me quickly. He says, I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. That's where Timothy is. So the message is, Timothy, you can get started as soon as you can because Tychicus is on the way to take your place. He'll complete the ministry. But I need to see you, Timothy. And it would be the last time. Paul's probably counting on the slow, grinding pace of Roman justice that would allow Timothy to beat his appointment with death. These are his final words. This is the benediction. It's a blessed benediction. It's an inspired benediction. That's why God put it here in the Bible for us. There's so many things here. You know that here there are 17 names mentioned specifically. Not only 17 names mentioned specifically, there are 19 names uh, included in the passage directly. One is Paul. He's pinning it. Another is Timothy. This is who it's written to. And then 17 names included specifically uh, that we just read in those couple of minutes of me reading it. So 19 people. And then if you add with these guys, Eubulus, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers, all the brothers, that's the rest of the church there. 
Some of these people we know a great deal about. Paul we know a lot about. We got a lot of writings about Paul. Uh, we know about his upbringing. We know about uh, his background. We know about uh, his salvation experience on the Damascus Road. We know about his ministry that was so um, tremendous. We know a lot about Paul. Timothy, we know. Uh, Paul said, I got nobody else like him. Uh, we know quite a bit about Timothy. We know he had oft illnesses, you know. We know about Titus. Titus is mentioned 14 times in the New Testament. Uh, Paul refers to him in 2 Corinthians 8 as my partner and fellow worker. And uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 4, uh, he says to Titus, my true son in our common faith, which tells us personally led Titus to the Lord, my true son in our common faith. We know about Luke the doctor. Luke was a friend for tough times. He was with Paul in his first imprisonment, and now he's with Paul in his last imprisonment, and he's the only guy there at this point of the writing. Only Luke is with me. Everybody else is gone. Paul, Paul refers to uh, Luke in Colossians 4.14, Luke, the beloved physician. And uh, you know why he says that, the beloved physician, because he's beloved. What better person to have with Paul from the beginning to the end of his imprisonment and uh, through so much of his ministry life, uh, who better than a physician? Because he needed one time and time again. Luke, the beloved physician. Tychicus, we know he's from Asia, Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Other than that, we know Colossians 4, verse 7. Paul refers to him as a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. Now hang with me, there's a point. Priscilla and Aquila. Acts chapter 18, Paul comes from Athens. He's discouraged. He didn't have very much fruit in Athens, so all the idolatry there. He comes and he says when he came to the Corinthians, he came in uh, fear and trembling. And there he meets Priscilla and Aquila. They are tent makers like him, and they hit it off. They eventually become ministry partners with him. Paul writes about them in Romans chapter 16, uh, verse 4. They risked their lives for me, Priscilla and Aquila. That's how close they became to Paul. We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, that Aquila and Priscilla opened up their home, and they had a, a church that met in their house. They had a life group. Then there's Onesiphorus, and you only need to go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me. And he was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he came to Rome, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. So he had helped Paul in Ephesus. He goes all the way to Rome for whatever reason. When he's there, he searches hard. He finds Paul and he ministered to Paul. Erastus. All we know about Erastus is he was one of Paul's helpers. And we know from Romans 16, verse 23, he was the director of public works for the city. That was his job. Trophimus. Trophimus is the guy, Acts chapter 21, uh, an uncircumcised guy from Asia that Paul brings to the temple area, and the Jews accuse Paul of bringing him beyond where an uncircumcised Gentile was to go into the court of the Jews. Paul never did, but they accused him of it. Riot breaks out because of Trophimus and the accusations they gave to Paul about him. And then there's Carpus. Carpus. Now, you may not realize this. He's an important guy. Why? Because he's got Paul's coat. You say, why is that important? Do your best to come to me quickly. And then he tells Timothy, hey, try to get here before winter. It's going to get cold. And I'm in this dungeon. And I don't even have my coat. Make sure you get my coat from Carpus. 
and bring it with you. And then, of course, there's Eubulus and Pudens and Linus and Claudia. We don't know anything about them, except they're part of the church. And for some reason, they're noteworthy to specifically greet them. But that's all we know. You say, what is the point, pastor? One of the amazing things to me about the Lord, and there's so many amazing things about the Lord. One of the most amazing things to me about the Lord, these people we know very little about, some we know nothing about. God knows every one of them. You realize that? Isn't that fascinating? Uh, get this, get this. You want to chew on this one? He knew them before the beginning of time. Just chew on that. You'll end up looking like me. Before the beginning of time, God knew my fingerprint. He designed it. He knit me together in my mother's womb. And he gave me a fingerprint that he's not going to give to anybody else. Nobody else has had it. Nobody else will have it. And isn't it fascinating? Nobody else will have your fingerprint. Hey, catch this. Nobody else is going to live your life. I can't live your life. You can't live my life. You got it? And we all got one shot, only one shot. That's it. This life, one shot. Revelation chapter 20. Go there with me just for a minute. Revelation chapter 20. This in uh, Bible college seminaries, this section, this is called the great white throne judgment because John sees, verse 11, a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Books were opened. This is fascinating. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Other places it's called the Lamb's book of life. I want to make sure your name's in that one. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Did you get that? God's keeping records of people's lives and their deeds. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Based on the deeds they had done as recorded in the books. God's keeping records. Jesus said in Luke 8, 17, there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says that everything is laid bare. The word really means naked before the eyes of him to whom we will give an account. He's keeping records. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Now, the judgment that you do not want to find yourself at is the judgment of Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. You don't want to find yourself there because you're headed for eternal damnation based on the deeds that God has recorded in the books. He's got the record. So he's not doing anything unjust. He says, here's what you did. Here's what you deserve. Don't want to find yourself there. Now, here's a wonderful thing. When Danny Hodges received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 19 years old, all those deeds being recorded, all right, that record my sin, that would have sent me to the lake of fire, that would have sent me to eternal damnation, all have now been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. To Him be glory forever and ever. Hey, that's a great thing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But now, with that, and this gets a little mysterious, I'm not going to be judged based on my sin in regard to what I deserve, and that's eternal damnation. All of us deserve that. I'm not going to be eternally damned. I'm very thankful for that because I've put my trust in the blood of the Lamb. I've applied the blood to my life. 
Jesus is my Lord and Savior. All right? With that said, the Bible makes it clear that even though I'm not going to be eternally damned, God is still recording things about my life as a Christian. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as it were home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul said in Philippians 1, this is better by far to be with the Lord than to be here. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all, he's talking to Christians now, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not the Revelation 20 great white throne. This is the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now here's the mystery of it. The bad that I might do as a Christian is still sin, right? It would have to be. But I'm not going to be judged in regard to things I do bad if the blood has really been applied to my life, if I really have been born again, because Jesus paid the price for my sin. See, Christians can still fail. You don't understand that. And in my failure, I'll be judged based on my service, my life lived for the Lord. That's the judgment seat of Christ. One more verse you can put by 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, come on, hang with me now. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, those are representative of the good, all right? But then here's the bad. Wood, hay, or straw. His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It'll be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. And the reward is not heaven. Listen, read on. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. The loss is not hell. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Just saved by the skin of your teeth, just by the blood of Christ, but no real reward, except to be in heaven. Now, if you have the attitude, well, I'll just be happy to be there. You know, people that have that attitude should really, I say it every time I mention this, should examine themselves to see if they really do know the Lord. Because if you really do know the Lord, you want to please Him. You don't, know, you don't want to just get in and hear Him say, well, there it is, go, you know. You, you want to hear Him say, good job. And every person that really knows the Lord wants to please the Lord. What a gracious God we serve. Let me give you a couple more scriptures and then we'll... Listen, <laughs> my service for the Lord, my life lived before the Lord. There's not, one, there's not one thing that God's not watching in, in my Christian life. In a good way, in a good way, and a bad way. Uh, it, it, here, here's the deal. Matthew 10.42. Matthew 10.42. Jesus said... 
You can't give a cup of cold water in my name and lose your reward. Isn't that cool? I mean, you give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. It's recorded. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, He has something for you. He has reward in heaven just for a cup of cold water. Let me show you one of the most fascinating verses in the Bible that I discovered years ago. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, and I'll show you the verse in just a minute. I had read this before, but I never saw it. That ever happened to you? Sometimes you read things over and over again, you never see, the, the, you never see something, all of a sudden the light pops on, you see it. I was in Titusville, Florida years ago, early on in the ministry here, for a men's gathering with our friend Pastor Peter Lord at Park Avenue Baptist Church. And uh, it was an overnight deal, a couple of days, a men's deal. I met a fellow there who's a best friend of Pastor Peter Lord, Jack Taylor, uh, pastored in Texas for years. Jack is now with the Lord. But Jack Taylor, in one of our meetings, just shared this verse. He wasn't preaching on it, teaching on it. He just shared it in a men's group. I'd never seen it. I'd never really seen it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. If you're not looking at it, listen carefully. Here's what it says. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. You don't get it? Listen, based on this verse, whenever I get together, family, Christian friends, and we just simply talk about the Lord. We talk about the Lord. He reaches over to one of his scribe angels and says, okay, hey, you hear that? Do you hear what they're saying? Write it down. That's what the verse is saying. You're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to have reward just for, just for talking about him with others. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool, Lord, whether they do or not. <laughs> it's so cool. Okay. Now we get to where the rubber meets the road. How's your record? Now in some ways, in some ways we don't know. The parable Jesus told about um, those that saw him hungry and thirsty and in prison, and then they said, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty? And he says, if you did it to one of the least of these, you did it unto me. You gave a cup of cold water in my name, you, you won't lose your reward. But you're not doing it, obviously, to get a reward. That's not the motive. How's our record going? If I could choose the record that I'd like to have, I would choose the Apostle Paul. I mean, you, you look at the record, even in our benediction here. What did he say? Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. Paul would write in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 19, these words. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Listen up, wives. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head, coals of conviction. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know what I want on my record? I knew where the battle really was. In the battle, Ephesians, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood. The enemy is not really your wife. The enemy is not really your husband. The enemy is not really your enemies. The enemy, you see, sometimes is me. I'm my own worst enemy sometimes because I start to fight the devil by pulling out my sword in the Garden of Gethsemane, and all I do is whack off ears. I want Paul's record. 
He knew what the battle was. He knew where the battle was. And he wasn't out just to get back at his enemies. He said, hey, Alexander, the metal worker, he did me a great deal of harm. But the Lord's going to take care of him. You've been listening to another edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. The Living Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. We're so glad that you took the time today to learn more from the book of 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul wrote some very wise words and advice to Timothy, encouraging him to keep pressing on to a greater goal than the things even in this world. This is a timely word for you today. Don't get stuck in a rut of worries or allow the world to squash your hopes down in despair. Keep pushing forward towards a goal and a prize that Jesus wants to gift to you. If you enjoyed hearing from Pastor Danny today and would like to listen to other teachings, feel free to visit our teaching archive at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab. If you don't yet have a church to call home, we would love to have you join us. Calvary Chapel Fellowship meets on Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Feel free to come just as you are. If you're unable to be with us in person, you're always welcome to join us in our live stream services. Find the link to that as well as our YouTube channel on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's it for today, but thanks for tuning in with Pastor Danny to learn more from the book of 2 Timothy as we dive into The Living Word.